Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source of info for insights and best practices in digital health and digital transformation. Join host Patty Padmanabhan, CEO of Demo Consulting and co-author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how technology, consumerism, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with leading practitioners of healthcare and technology. This podcast is sponsored by HealthNext, the enterprise-class virtual care platform from Tech Mahindra Health and Life Sciences. Hello again, and welcome back to my podcast. This is Patty, and it is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Mark Probst, the former CIO of Intermountain Healthcare and currently CIO of LK. Mark, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Well, Patty, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. You're most welcome. Mark, so let's get started uh, with this. You were CIO of Intermountain for a very long time and uh, you've experienced your own share of technology changes. What do you think are the top two or three technology trends that are now going to determine the future of healthcare? Wow. Well, one of these is going to sound kind of self-serving, but I think interoperability is going to be a key requirement as we move forward for any of these things to succeed. Because the second thing I would add would be digital health. And we can go into that, you know, what I mean by that in a second. But none of that really meets the needs of the populations that we serve if our systems can't talk together and share data in a responsible way. So I think interoperability will continue to be really, really important. I've got a lot of history with that and why I think so. But so I think interoperability, I think digital health, I think, and I was just talking to a group at LK about that and they asked what I thought about digital health. And my answer was there's kind of two phases to digital health from my perspective. One is just facilitating what we do today using digital mechanisms like telehealth or or even some of the, the handheld the, um, iPhone-based kind of services mm-hmm. and apps and that kind of digital health. And of course, telehealth, our ability to communicate with physicians and, and other care providers you know, through the digital means. So there's that kind of facilitate what we're doing today. And I believe what we're moving to is a digital health that is, you know, full interaction with the technology versus with human beings and that the technology will provide a lot of knowledge and capability and uh, and expertise to us as the consumers of healthcare. So those would be the two that come top of mind to me, Patty. We will unpack some of that in the course of this conversation. And of course, uh, you know, you mentioned interoperability and you mentioned digital health and those are kind of related to one another. One kind of drives the other, I guess. Also, I think alluded to the data and insights, and we'll come to that. And Intermountain has done a lot of work in these areas, and uh, I do want to explore some of your thoughts on that. But before that, you know, you recently retired from Intermountain and have taken a role at a health IT firm and I realize it's early days yet, but I'd love to hear your first impressions on the view from the other side of where you've been all these years. Well, because of the organization I'm working with, my view is one of, uh, of great um, excitement and opportunity. I love LK. I love the people there. I was a customer of theirs. And so, 
it's something I'm very excited about and I think has a lot of potential. I also have the advantage, I spent 23 years actually in professional services serving the healthcare industry. So I was a partner with Deloitte and I was a partner with Ernst & Young. So I wasn't completely naive to what we affectionately called the dark side when I was a CIO of our industry. I don't mean that from dark as in mean, but you know, we always just, we were constantly being saved. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but we understood it, right? Yeah. But boy, I'm, I am really excited about the potential of the organization I'm working with and just the kind of people that are there. And, you know, leveraging, I felt I was valuable for 23 years. I kind of proved to myself just how, how little value I was actually providing when I was a CIO. And now I think I have a richer skill set that, you know, hopefully I can be of more value to, uh, to, the, to the industry. Well, I wish you, wish you all the best in your, in your new role. So I want to talk a little bit about your experience at Intermountain since uh, you, were, you were with Intermountain until very recently. And let's talk about what you mentioned at the outset of this conversation, which was, you know, digital health and interoperability. Let's talk about digital health. Intermountain, to my knowledge, is one of the early adopters of telehealth, and you've had great success, especially with rural populations. And it's well published, and, you know, there's been widely published articles about some of your work in that space. What do you see today as the general level of preparedness for this coming era of digital health and virtual care among your peer health systems? And can you also in that way comment on you know, the gap between what the top tier health systems may be doing and what the next tier is doing? Yeah, a lot of use of technology has to do with the sophistication of the health system itself. And I don't mean the sophistication of the technologists, but of the actual care providers. In, in the health system itself. And Intermountain is remarkably sophisticated and courageous in taking technology and trying new things and what to do with it. So we started really, really early on with telehealth. In fact, I remember our first foray into it was a good 15 years ago and the technology was incredibly young, but we, we decided to put it in an urgent care center and see how many people we could get to call in and you know, I think you could count on two hands, you know, how successful we were with that. The industry wasn't ready. Our, our people weren't ready, but the thinking was there. And so we kept a, a very close eye on, you know, the capability. And as it became more sophisticated, we started down the road to telehealth. We also had the advantage, like you just said, Patty, of, of having a lot of rural healthcare facilities where we couldn't afford to have all the specialists out there. So if we wanted to provide care in those rural settings and not force the, the patients to come into one of the urban centers, we needed to get involved in telehealth and we did. So we really started on the kind of B2B telehealth services and then ventured into the more retail kind of urgent care yep. center, uh, provision mm. of the services. I think Intermountain was a, is ahead not because, again, of our technical prowess, but because we developed a lot of playbooks and capabilities and people and getting them used to it. I don't think the gap is massive between an Intermountain Healthcare and a much smaller facility that's just getting started. You know, being a pioneer doesn't mean you're, you're always going to stay ahead. It means you took some arrows and maybe you were ahead for a while, but you also created a path that lots of other people could follow. Yeah. And 
I believe the gap isn't that small and that it will get filled very, very quickly. Now, of course, COVID-19 has accelerated the shift towards uh, digital health and especially virtual care slash telehealth models. In this slide, in this context, what do you think are or should be the top priority areas for health system CIOs in uh, not just dealing with the current situation, but also positioning the organization for what might be coming as the future state? Yeah, so there's always two sides to a coin, right? And COVID had a silver lining in that it got us really quickly involved in leveraging these digital capabilities, whether that was you know, increasing our, our communications through texts or through other tools with our constituents or bringing in telehealth and or just televideo to do meetings and the kind of things we're doing right now. So it really, there was that bright side that a lot of technology got brought in very quickly and a lot of people got more sophisticated using it. But there's a, the other side of that coin, the difficult side of that coin is the way we did it. Because we are forced to do it so quickly, you know, in some instances, hours, but certainly in days, doctors moved home, administrators moved home, teams moved home. And so we would deploy, and we did, because, you know, I helped create this problem, right? We would deploy just about any kind of technology to facilitate doing that. So now we find ourselves in an environment where a lot of disintegrated tools are out there that need to either be brought together or you know, brought to a more singular platform to really make it efficient and effective for both us as an organization providing the service and for the patients or members or families that we serve. So I think one of the big challenges right now the CIOs will be going through, and I, th I know they're doing it, so it's, you know, this is a novel, but is to get this kind of quagmire, this cobbled together solutions to something that is much more seamless, much more easy to maintain, secure, you know, share data across. So I think that's going to be one of the challenges that we have as we move more rapidly to this digital age. And I feel kind of strongly about, I don't know how broadly this is shared, but you wrote the book so you can tell me, is we're creating non-native applications to facilitate communication or data sharing with the people that we serve. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I want to text a doctor, I end up going into an application, signing into it outside of my phone and then I can text within this very secure environment. And I believe more and more the challenge we're going to have as technologists is not having, you know, these separate applications, but using tools that are native to the, the hard, you know, the, the solutions that we have in our hands. So texting would be just like texting anyone else or looking up data is going to, you know, I can ask Siri about my medical record versus having to log in and, and do a separate application to do it. That creates challenges, but that's when it's really going to make this digital interaction, you know, much better for those that we serve. Yeah, you covered several themes that we actually discuss in detail in the book, and uh, you covered the fragmentation of the technology landscape and the need to kind of integrate them in order to create a seamless experience for the patient. 
you talked about non-native applications, and that's an interesting one because uh, when you say non-native, I'm hearing non-native to, let's say, the electronic health record system. And uh, a lot of health systems are kind of growing beyond their EHRs and are looking to best-in-class tools for certain kinds of functionalities. And uh, I get the sense that uh, they're doing that because the EHR system cannot be everything to everyone, which they also acknowledge. And so it's kind of forcing a certain best-in-class approach, which uh, requires the EHR platform or the system record, whatever it is, to be wrapped by best-in-class tools and solutions. And of course, the fragmentation and the use of best-in-class on top of system record creates this interoperability issue, which is unfinished business. So we've come a long way in the last few years, but it's still unfinished business and uh, we've still got a ways to go. So what would be the big takeaway from this? Is it that health system CIOs should avoid fragmentation of technology as much as possible or get better at integrating it so they get a more seamless experience? What is your recommendation? No, I think they're going to have to get better at integrating it. I mean, it's it would be naive to think that even the EHR vendors want to do, like you said, all the things that need to be done. And so, you know, we can either depend on them to integrate solutions, which will limit our, our options, or we can get really good at integrating and really good at creating the right kind of environments that allow us to plug and play solutions that we know I mean, they're going to change annually, maybe more often, uh, just because that's how quickly the landscape is changing for us. So I think the only way we succeed is become really good at integration. And what are the risks with that, if I can just stay on that point for another minute or so? You know, you've got these best-in-class solutions, or ostensibly the best-in-class solutions, but they are, in many cases, small companies. They're VC-funded. They're not... They don't make profits. They, they're very often new and not necessarily, you know, road-tested technologies. There are risks involved, and I'm sure you've taken your share of the risks as a CIO. What is your advice for not just CIOs, but also for tech firms that are trying to build a business in this kind of an environment? It's probably a long conversation, but uh, to boil it down, yeah, we're going to make mistakes. I mean, we're going to have like you said, we're going to have to take some risks and place some bets. You know, you can you can do your homework so that they're less risky, but there's still a risk out there. And I really think, again, these solutions are going to change rapidly. So I need to be able to, as a CIO, as a technologist or a technology team, I need to build my, I need to architect my overarching solutions in a way where I can plug and play these pieces in and out. And, you know, that may be I put certain requirements in place that the, the interfaces have to be fire-based or mm-hmm. you know, some other kind of standards put in place that I'm going to do it. But that I don't build these really difficult to build and unravel integration services, but that I have things that are much simpler to do so that I can, that I can change. I can take a chance with a certain AI-based solution. And if that company goes under or which would be the worst case, but if you know there's something better that comes up that's going to provide more value, that I can go ahead and make that change. And I really think that's a skill set that we haven't been tremendously strong on. We used to buy integration engines, and that was going to solve a lot of the problems, and didn't. 
but we're going to have to be good at, at this whole process of how to integrate things and and how to and be willing to change. I mean, we're not we're not going to sit on solutions like we do EHRs, you know, where it's yeah. a 20, 25 year solution. These solutions yeah. are going to be a year or two. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that we are actually my firm is actually living through this with one of our clients where there is exactly this decision point that's come to them with a firm that uh, they've committed themselves to and it's been going well for two or three years and all of a sudden the firm is in difficulty. You know, they're in financial difficulty. There is turnover among key staff and then all of a sudden deadlines are being missed and product uh, is not coming out as quickly. So I'm sure you've seen this movie before. <laughs> and so your advice is, I think, very timely and it makes a lot of practical sense. But that's a nice segue to my next question, which is kind of related to this. One of the reasons why you do choose to go out and acquire these best-in-class tools and platforms is in order to create a competitive differentiator for yourself with your population, the patient populations, give them better experiences, improve uh, the quality of care in the process, improve productivity and all of that. Now, in the emerging landscape for health system, the competitive landscape, how important do you think this is in order to you know, compete against the CVS Aetna's of the world on the one hand, or maybe some tech firm that comes from left field and has got an entirely new way of doing things. Is this now becoming table stakes for health systems that you have to go out and work with best in class, leading edge technology solutions? Yeah, so I'm a real believer that you have to be able to select good partners and work with those partners, whether those be technology partners or business partners in other ways. And a strength that a CIO really needs to have is the ability to build those partnerships and maintain them and have them thrive. Because there's no way. It's just so complex. Everything that's going on, and it requires very fresh talent. And having been a CIO, it's not easy to, to constantly refresh the talent on your team. You know, you kind of have a team and you work with them and they're excellent and they do great things. But you know, to think that I can continually keep the most up-to-date skill set within my team is, again, kind of naive. So you have to have the right kind of partnerships to help you solve those problems. And if you do that, then I think you can solve a multitude of problems. But And you're going to have good partners. And just like we were talking about, you're going to take risks on one that aren't going to be that good a partner. But that's the skill that a CIO has to happen. That's what we need to be able to do as CIOs. Just curious about one follow-up thought on that. Do you think as a consequence, CIOs are going to become more technical in their personal abilities? Or do you think it's going to be more to do with managing partnerships and you know having them all play well together? So I think you're going to see a bit of a bifurcation. Those skills all need to exist whether, you know, building those partnerships and technical skills. I do see a track for a very technical CIO. And the reason that's going to happen is because the business itself is becoming so much more tech savvy. So where 20 years ago, we had to convince people that a mouse was an okay thing and that a, you know this was a keyboard and this was a CRT because we were the only ones. We were the only nerds out there that were paying much attention to it. Today, every, you know, people are very sophisticated around technology and what 
many organizations are going to need is someone that can get deeper into the technical aspects of it. And they're going to have CIOs that do that. I don't think you can get away from the skill set of being a good people person yeah. and a good builder of, of those relationships. So it's going to vary. It's going to vary by the situation and what else exists in the leadership team of an organization. But both skill sets are going to be very important. So talking about digital health and digital transformation, Mark, uh, switching topics here. So one thing that uh, I pay a lot of attention to as part of my work and part of my firm's work is how are health systems organizing themselves to drive digital transformation? You know, what does the org model look like? Who owns the digital transformation function? And, uh, you know, I see that the answer, there is no straightforward answer to this. Uh, by default, it seems like it's the CIO in a lot of organizations, but with a lot of the leading health systems, you have these dedicated roles for chief digital officers, many of whom have come from outside the industry as well. So what is your sense today of where ownership for digital health and digital transformation lies today? And what, if anything, should change for accelerating transformation? So it, it's, it's owned by the CEO is what it's owned by. And again, pretty naive to think that's not where we're going, right? That we can just continue to operate the way we've operated for the last 40 years. So the CEO owns digital transformation and how we're going to deliver services going forward. We all play different roles. So at Intermountain Healthcare, we had a CIO and we had a chief digital officer. That chief digital officer was much more of a marketing type person. And that's actually the background that he came to Intermountain with, but it served us really well because we were focused on digital and how are we going to change the way we did things and how are we going to change our perception within the community that we were more of a digital service. The technology work around that, that was mine. That was my team. Right. That's what we did. But the CEO owned the problem and the CEO drove it. And that's why Intermountain has been and will be very successful in this space. There are going to be places where it's the CIO. That's going to be a, a much slower transition for that organization. They may even ultimately fail, not because the CIO is bad, but because it's coming from the wrong place. Technology, it's a tool. It can facilitate that shift. But the actual shift is people making that shift. And, and that takes the leadership of an organization and operations and ultimately CEO. Yeah. One thing I like to say is uh, digital transformation is technology enabled or IT enabled, but it's not necessarily IT led. And uh, the difference may sound insignificant to some, but what I see in the market is that uh, CIOs don't necessarily have to do it all. In some cases I've seen is a great collaboration, just like you described at Intermountain which really makes the difference. And of course, you're right about the fact that it has to come from the very top, uh, the CEO and, and indeed the board for that matter. We're coming up to the close of our time here, Mark. I just wanted to touch on one other thing in the immediate context of COVID, right? We've seen the results come out. The financial performance of health systems for the first six months has not been great. And uh, in an environment of declining operating income, how do you see it impacting the pace of digital transformation, but also the level of technology investments. And, and what is your advice for tech firms in this context? And now that you're part of a tech firm as well, 
who are likely seeing reduced IT budgets and longer sales cycles as a consequence? Yeah, so the broad thing that comes to my mind is a race to the bottom makes everyone a loser. So there's no possible way that healthcare is going to cost cut itself to being successful or to thriving. And so it's where investment gets made. And like just about every other industry, it's come through investment in technology and using that technology to create efficiencies and better solutions for those we serve. So I believe there's a lot of wise people in leadership positions in healthcare that those investments are going to continue to get made. That doesn't mean we won't see cost cutting because there will be and there has to be, but there also has to be this investment in technical solutions, particularly digital solutions, digital health solutions that will allow the industry to thrive and will allow a much more ubiquitous set of solutions. You know, again, right now it's it's regional. I mean, healthcare is so regional and it's so different. I mean, the, the level of care and the outcomes, you know, can vary by zip code. That's because of the way we're currently formed. But moving forward, technology is going to bring a, you know, it's going to level the playing field, not just across our country, but around the world. And, you know, that's when we know we're going to be successful. So if, if I were, which I am involved in a technology company in healthcare, I'm very bullish on the future. However, to thrive, we have to show that value. And, you know, we can't just be talking it. We have to show the value that we can provide. And uh, I think there's a very white field out there just ready to be harvested. Oh, that is so well said, Mark. And that's a, that's a perfect note on which we can end uh, this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I really appreciate uh, your comments and your insights. And I wish you all the very best in your new role. Thank you very much, Patty. Appreciate the time and congratulations on your book and look forward to staying in touch. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Healthcare Digital Transformation Leader. Write to us at info at with your feedback and questions.